I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. In yesterday's text, Judges 12, verses 1 through 3, we see a dispute break out between the men of, I'm going to pronounce it Ephraim for our purposes here. You will also hear it uh, pronounced uh, Ephraim or Ephraim. Uh, I'll just use Ephraim or Ephraim or the Ephraimites. Anyway, a dispute breaks out between the Ephraimites and Jephthah. The same kind of accusation the Ephraimites brought, brought against Gideon, they now bring against Jephthah. And they threaten him violently. They argue with Gideon violently, and then they threaten to burn Jephthah alive in his own house. They don't know to whom they're speaking. Jephthah is a guy who is known to fly off the handle, and he's already lost everything by his own hand with a foolish, rash, ungodly, wicked vow to sacrifice whomever stepped, stepped out of his house when he came home from battle. I don't know if he expected some livestock to come out of his house, but instead his daughter did what was customary, coming out with tambourines to sing, and so guess what he does? So this is the guy that you're threatening with violence. Jesus said, and often misunderstood, and sometimes quoted by atheists as if it were a critique, he said, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Meaning, if you are constantly violent, guess how you're going to die? Violently. Go figure. Well, the Ephraimites are going to get a fight, but it's not the fight they were looking for. It's not going to go how they think it's going to go. Here's Judges chapter 12, verse 4. Then Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead. They fought and defeated Ephraim because Ephraim had said, you Gileadites are Ephraimite fugitives in the territories of Ephraim and Manasseh. All right, so first of all, Manasseh has nothing to do with any of this. They're not even in this dispute. And this is new information that's revealed in verse 4. And it hits home with Jephthah. If you recall, Jephthah was a Gileadite who was cast out. And then he became a raider. And uh, not meaning that he played for the, the team currently based in Las Vegas, meaning he was going around fighting the enemy on his own. He became battle-hardened. And so they called him back. So to be referred to as illegitimate really hit deep on a scar in Jephthah's heart. He's already hurting, okay? So imagine you've got a man who is prone to violence, who has has nothing left to lose, and you have just insulted him in the most deeply personal way imaginable. He's known to fly off the handle, so just guess what he does, right? They, they fight them. The Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan that's the river, right? Leading to Ephraim. Whenever a fugitive from Ephraim said, let me cross over, the Gileadites asked him, are you an Ephraimite? If he answered no, they told him, please say Shibboleth. If he said Sibboleth, because he could not pronounce it correctly, they seized him and executed him at the fords of the Jordan. At that time, 42,000 from Ephraim died. Jephthah judged Israel six years. It's a very short reign. And when he died, he was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. You'll notice what's missing from verse 7. In the case of Deborah, there's this statement, and the land had peace for so many years. In the case of Gideon, there's this statement, and the land had peace for 40 years. There, there's, there's always this news of this judge, imperfect though the judges were, about the at least small time of peace that Israel would experience. But there's no such statement here in the last verse uh, about Jephthah's, uh, Jephthah's time as a judge. There's also something critical missing from verses 4 through 6, where this 
effectively like a civil war breaks out, really like a civil genocide, a civil slaughter. There's no word in here about the spirit of the Lord coming upon Jephthah. God never asked for this, just like God never asked for him to sacrifice his daughter. He's, he's flying off the handle again. He's just acting out of pain. This is retaliatory, and it's, it's again, obscure. It's all because of just an insult. You Gileadites are Ephraimite fugitives in the territories of Ephraim and Manasseh. So he's referring to them as illegitimate in their territory. And he issues this test to catch the fugitives. Do you see how that's ironic? Their insult was, you guys are Ephraimite fugitives. And then they actually become Ephraimite fugitives who are subjected to this test. Shibboleth versus Sibboleth. Uh, okay, allow me to get a little bit like Hebrew nerdy on you. In the original, truly original manuscripts, there were no spaces in the Hebrew text and there were no vowels. We added those later uh, just so that, you know, non-native Hebrew speakers would have a chance at understanding the Hebrew language. We added spaces, it's read from right to left, and we added these dots and dashes. They're effectively vowels. This in some renderings of the Hebrew alphabet, actually adds a letter to the Hebrew alphabet. The last three letters are sin, shin, and tav. The letters sin and shin are identical. They look kind of like an English W, but the vowel markings that we added appear on one end of the letter or the other end of the letter. One stem of the W versus the other outer stem of the W. And, and depending on the placement of it, it's either sin or it's shin. So the men of a frame would pronounce it like sin and not like shin, but they didn't have the vowel markings that we have today to be able to distinguish that. Moreover, this word shibboleth has no clear meaning in the original Hebrew. It's simply a test to determine whether or not someone was an Ephraimite. Now, today, colloquially, the shibboleth concept has come to mean something totally different than what it did in its original intent here in the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, it was just trying to determine whether or not someone was an Ephraimite. And if they were an Ephraimite, they killed them. But today, it's become a totally different thing. It's this idea of testing whether or not someone's actually a Christian. Probably one of the most prominent examples that really made the rounds and sometimes reappears on the internet from time to time is that of Aaron Sorkin's show, The West Wing, in which Martin Sheen's character playing the president uh, would sort of act as Aaron Sorkin's puppet to do an impression of Christians. Okay, when non-Christians write for Christians, they never get it right. Like, I'm, they say representation matters. Great. Represent one Christian character ever, please. So this shibboleth test is explained, but it's not explained properly. It was really just a way of Jephthah and his men getting revenge on the Ephraimites for an insult that they dealt them. It was not determining whether or not someone was truly a believer in God. It was seeing if they spoke with the Ephraimite dialect to de determine whether or not they were the guys who insulted them. So the term shibboleth doesn't actually rightly refer to a test of true faith or not. Moreover, even if it were, even if it did exist, we wouldn't, we, we shouldn't use it because we've been told by Jesus not to. Okay, here is something that we studied in uh, we studied in in our, our, our series in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Fulfillment, Matthew chapter 13, okay, Jesus gives the parable of weeds being sown among the wheat, and then verse 28, an enemy did this, he told them. 
So do you want us to go and pull them up? The servants asked me, do you want us to go out and pull out the weeds, take out the false believers, call them out, pick them out? No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. So let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. So as you can see, looking at the text of Judges, the Shibboleth test was not to determine whether or not someone was a believer in God. These were believers in God killing believers in God. Rather, it was to determine whether or not someone was an Ephraimite, right? Hence the question, are you an Ephraimite? That was actually the first question. It wasn't just a random Shibboleth test by a troll at a bridge. It began with, are you an Ephraimite? And then if he answered no, then they would determine whether or not he was being honest uh, about his tribal heritage, using the Ephraimite dialect as a giveaway. So first of all, the Shibboleth test was not to determine faith in God. It was all a part of Jeph Jephthah's um, revenge plan against the Ephraimites. But even if such a test existed, we ought not use it because we don't know who is truly a Christian and who is not. We can observe fruit, we can see if the Holy Spirit is giving them love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We can look at the book of 1 John. We can see do they have love for God? Do they have love for God's people? We can look at the book of James. Does their faith actually produce results? Is it accompanied by deeds that prove its legitimacy? We can test teachers against the word of God. We can you know, we use prophecy to judge the prophets. Are, is what they're saying true? Does, does their teaching align with the confession that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? And if it doesn't, then it's a demonic teaching. But we do not have the authority to look at someone and say, this person is a Christian, that person is not a Christian. The true story of the Shibboleth is really Jephthah's spite and murderous revenge against an insult. Jephthah's legacy is not that good. And as the book of Judges continues, it's not going to get much better. So beware the false representation of the Shibboleth teaching. Do not fall for it and do not commit the very misrepresentation that it offers, trying to determine whether or not someone's a believer. That's not what Shibboleth was. And that's what, something that Jesus told us to do anyway.